turn to Isaiah 53. I think we'll read that today. Last Wednesday we began to talk a little bit about the Word of God. We need to understand what the, what the Word of God is and the purpose of the Word of God. And many times we hear the Lord's Prayer and we pray the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> but many times we're, we're either not listening or we're forgetful hearers or most of the time the Word comes in and doesn't find good ground to actually germinate and spring forth in our life. <clears throat> and the Bible says that we're to prepare our hearts to make room for Him we're to keep our hearts with all diligence. And we're to let the, the, the Word of God, the incorruptible seed, come into our life, that it will produce something, actually produce someone. And that's really the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, really, the Word of God is given to us, and the, as we pray the prayer, it says, Lord, your kingdom come, and your will be done. The, now, in the Gospel, it talks much about the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of God. And really that seems to be a term that's used for us or here on this earth. And so we're, we're praying, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. So I believe that the work of God is to have his kingdom come into our lives and we're to be people that are showing forth the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about that we are his building. We are his husbandry. But not only over his building, in Ephesians it talks about that the body of Christ builds itself up. So we're not only the building, but we are the builders. And Paul talks about take heed there how you build. Now the gospel we've been, we've been talking about, again, is not from man. It's not a fleshly idea. It's not a man-made idea. Actually, a human, natural human cannot really understand the gospel unless the Holy Spirit draws us and gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, makes no sense to us because it is not of this earth. The Bible talks about if you love this world, you're an enemy of God. And so God's perspective is totally different. Jeremiah talks about that. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. So in order to serve God, and Jesus makes it very clear, in order to serve Him, in order for the kingdom of God to come into our midst, in order for the will of God to be done in my life, I must deny myself. I must put on the mind of Christ. I have to take on an aspect or a nature that I know nothing about and actually, naturally, I stand against. So it's a continual battle or suffering, if you would, to walk with the Lord and have His nature formed in us and our nature put away with. As John said, I must decrease and He must increase. I generally want to be talking about in these next probably few weeks the concept of us being in warfare. Now again, we really don't understand that and the entire world is screaming that and especially in this age. There, no, there is no warfare. Um, we're trying to fight wars with cotton balls. And we're wondering why we're not winning. In this world, now, a lot of the things that I'm going to say, I don't know why they are that way. Some of those things are not totally revealed. I think as we walk with the Lord, we get glimpses of Him working in those things. But I don't know why they are this way, but it's so it pleased God to make them this way. And there are certain realities that I must come to grasp, and in order to grasp those, I must leave go of my own life. And one of those realities is that sorrow, suffering, and sin exist. And they are an integral part of this life. And most of the time, we as natural human beings are trying to escape those things or look at those things as something, as something bad rather than something that's necessary to produce the life of Christ in me. And so in order for me to apprehend that, I must hate myself because my natural self doesn't want to suffer. See, now there, there's suffering that all people go through. There's people that are hungry. There's people that have financial problems. There is, a, there is a general suffering. But the Bible talks about that Jesus suffered in the flesh. 
that he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from them. There should be a suffering that you as a Christian should know that people who are not Christians know nothing about. And it's the suffering of denying ourselves and the joy of serving Jesus. The suffering and joy go hand in hand together. And this is a concept that I fight against all the time. Because usually when suffering comes, because again, if I don't understand that there's two kingdoms, my flesh or the natural man lives in one kingdom. The spiritual man, the Holy Spirit that lives in me, is from another kingdom. And the Bible says these two are opposed to each other. Not only is there a war outside that's oppressing on me, there's a war in my members. Paul talks about, I find a war in my members. We want to look at there's, there's war that actually goes on with inside of me of the flesh and the spirit. And, the, and there's another problem with this warfare that we're in. There's a traitor in your midst. And it's you. It's your old nature. It's your natural mind. And we have to continue. That's why it used to be traitors or people that were, um, yeah, traitors, wasn't it? Espionage, things like that. The, the penalty for being a traitor was always death. They were hung. They were shot. It was, you're a traitor. Now again, this world changes. Well, I believe that comes from, this is me, because there's a sentence on the traitor that lives within here. Death. He's a traitor. He acts like he wants to be your friend. He's a Benedict Arnold. He wants to be your friend. He might wear the same uniform, but he's a traitor against you. He is not subject. The natural man, the natural man is not subject to the law of God and can't ever be subject to the, nat to the, to the kingdom of God. So in this life, no matter how long I serve God, no matter how much the mercy of God is on me, no matter how much I see, no matter how good my church is, no matter what is going on, my natural man is always going to be contrary to the things of God. And I need to reckon that to be so. There's certain things that I need to reckon. But again, if there's another gospel that creeps in, Paul talks about in Galatians, there's another gospel that creeps in. The gospel of, you're really not that bad. Now that you're saved, you really can serve God. I am unable to serve God without the Holy Spirit and without giving the, the complete pressing into and allowing the Word of God to have preeminence in my life and simply taking up my cross and denying myself. So, there's certain things that as I read the Word, they need to like be engrafted in me and become part of my thinking become part of my person, be something that I learn to endure. Jesus endured some things. He endured suffering and ridicule. And after that, he endured the will of God or the kingdom of God was fulfilled in him. This same working now is taking place in this body and in his body. And I need to come to letting this mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus. So there's some things that I need to reckon. Sorrow and suffering and sin are a reality that I'm going to have to deal with every day of my life. But thanks be to God, as we're going to get to Romans sometime, thanks be to God, Jesus Christ has already really answered that question. So in my natural man, there's this conflict and this suffering, this falling short, there's all these trials and temptations, there seems to be lack of victory, so forth and so on. Who's going to deliver me from this? Well, thanks be to God that Jesus Christ was sent for a propitiation for my sins and forgave me and that He now lives in me and He is my victory. No matter all this battle that's going on, Jesus Christ came in the flesh for what reason? To destroy the works of the devil and actually to destroy the devil. So thanks be to God, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Jesus on the cross eradicated all the condemnation and the handwriting that was against you. All the things that you couldn't do in your flesh that God was asking you to do, Jesus fulfilled for you. But now we find ourselves here 
And again, we, we, as humans, we come into these questions. Well, if you're saved, then why do you have to do this? And why do you have to... See, those are human questions. God never answers those questions because you're not supposed to even be asking them. See, when, when He never answers the question of why you shouldn't eat the fruit, He doesn't say it's... He never said it wasn't good for food. Never said it wasn't, it was ugly or something like that. He just says, don't do it. And there's some consequences. Once we begin to enter into the reasoning, we've walked away from faith, and without faith it's impossible to please Him, and without faith we're not walking in the kingdom, we've resurrected the old nature, and I'm thinking of reason. Well, Jesus is going to go to the cross, I'll stop Him. Don't do that. That would be reasoning. I can't see any reason why. Let me look at that tree. I think it's good to eat. I think it's... God does not always explain those things because then it would be by works or be by reason and not by faith. Then we could have something to glory about. I figured it out. I know why. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why all of these things are. All I know is that they are and that God gives us the light unto our path and says, here is what I am trying to tell you. Now, if you put these things into your life, your life will be pleasing to me and be a glory to my name. So if we have now these things, see, we enter into these things, well, well, if we're washed from sin, then what is all these things? We enter, once saved, always saved, what about discipleship and self? Great. All those things are human questionings. God does not answer them. See, only by human reasoning and, again, that constant struggle of the flesh wanting to find some way to be a lawyer because we like being under the law. Well, you know, I did this. I don't have to do this. And that's all human reasoning. That's not faith. That's not one that says, yes, Lord. It's not one that says, I believe in you, reign in my life supreme. It's one that falls back on the flesh and in, in human reasoning. And if we turn to Isaiah 15, 53. Like I said, there are certain things that I believe God wants to weave into our thinking that these things begin to keep us. Not that they will keep us from sorrow and suffering. See, many times we think if we keep the Word of God and we actually do good, we will not, we will not, we'll, bad things won't happen to us. And many times we have set ourselves up for a good punch in the face because we've deceived ourselves. Well, I've been good and I've been practicing the Word of God. Therefore, no. Jesus is the Son of God. And we look at God's purpose. It was God's purpose and delight to bruise His Son in order for His, His purpose to be fulfilled. As I said last week, and I, I read this, you know, Oswald saying, God has no... He doesn't really care about your personal affinities. He's not really interested in your personal plans. He has got a greater plan and it's caused His kingdom come. We pray that, but then it's like, well, no, I don't want to do that. Well, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to suffer. See, I don't want to be... Ch I've got some things. Those things must die. See, those are really satanic. That's the traitor rising up in you. The one that says, wait a minute. You don't have to do that. See, wait a minute. See, you're already saved, and you know, the church doesn't understand. You know what? And they're just humans, too. They make mistakes. God never... Have you ever noticed God never answers those things? Because those are questions you shouldn't be asking. See, God never says, did I tell you not to eat of the fruit of the tree? The devil does that. I wonder if, should I be, how about, God never asks that. God's word is, yes, and in him, amen. My son, do this. My son, do that. My son. So we have this, in a human nature, we have this conflict of trying to answer questions. Well, if I'm saved, then what, what's, what's, what about discipleship? As we get, we're going to start to look in Proverbs, there's much, and really this is what we are, we are dealing with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven here now. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He learned obedience through the instruction that he went through. And it seems like God brings these two together, that we're, we're spirit and we're flesh, and those two being together make a human being. They make a human soul. And it was so in Christ that God was in Christ, but actually He walked in this world. It wasn't like He, he tried to walk above it. 
He tried to get out of it. Boy, you know, I'm the Son of God. I don't have to do this kind of stuff. He understood that this was God's purpose. And many times, we are actually the opposite. We're trying to get out of this thing, thinking this, is, this world is filthy. This world is terrible. But yet Jesus walked through it and overcame it. And we are to walk in that same way in instruction. And many of we're looking to get out of the world. Really, we're not. We're just trying to get out from under God's hand. Because we don't like His plan in my life. We want to do our own thing. But in the beginning, even. See, we've got to start to love instruction. We've got to not separate my relationship with God or my salvation or some spiritual mumbo-jumbo from actual reality and the instruction that God is trying to bring my way. Because if I try to escape this, I move further away from God, not closer to Him. Now, when God created Adam, Adam is, was, the Son of God. That was it. Now, what was a a couple of things that God does right away? Now, again, the Word of God is given to change our thinking or really to, like, this is how God thinks. Oh, now, we can look at that and we go, but we know, like Jim used to say, or, yeah, but I don't see... The Word of God is actually meant to produce some doubts and questions in you. See, many, I don't, it's meant to actually bring up unbelief so it can address that and take it away. Remember the refiner's fire. Take out the dross. Now, many guys, we, we see things, we go, man, I just don't... That's what it's meant to produce, but we're not to act on that, we're to get rid of that. And now, many times we do it exactly wrong because we think we know so much. And we, see, again, we've been trained to, to not hate ourselves, but to actually trust ourselves. And the Bible says, he who trusts himself is a fool. You don't want to do that. So I must trust the Word of God more than what I see, feel, think, or understand. And many times you will not get an answer for your questions because you shouldn't be answering those questions the first time. There's just things that God wants to answer. But here, Adam is created. There's, he has a perfect relationship with God Almighty. There is not even sin. There's no sin at this point. Now, God is going to say, this is, what I, this is who I am. This is the way I move. Immediately, he gives Adam work. So work and something to do in this earth seem to be part of the kingdom of God. See, one like, okay, now Adam is just there. Where I'm just grooving with God. This is like, and we kind of, kind of, and we kind of look like, man. If I, if I actually said this once, if, I mean, before I was saved, that's one of the main. I said, if you know, if I wasn't, if I didn't live in New York, I would have probably reached Nirvana, you know. And uh, Siddhartha. Does anybody know who Siddhartha is? How about Buddha? Does anybody? Siddhartha was his real name. Me and him went to different schools together. Actually, that, he said that if he ever grew up. In, anyway, and many times we actually think that these things that happen in my life are interfering with my relationship with God and if I only got away from them then I would really be in line with God that's a satanic that's kind of going to a monastery or we'll see life is the pits but God is no life and godliness Jesus never escaped life he walked with God through it and Adam when he was created was not meant to okay Adam now is all these like dirty grass and trees and things like animals I want you to just know me. no I want you to this is my heart and immediately he began to give Adam some work and some instruction they're not separate but many times because instruction interferes with my life we think oh man that's not a good thing no it's actually a very good thing it's meant to, that's what instruction means. Remember, instruction means correction, rebuke, chastisement. It means, whoa, no, don't do, Adam, this is what I'd like you to do. Now, on top of that, don't eat of this tree. Now, he gives instruction. And that's what we need to see. We have a relationship with God, but in that relationship, he's now left us here in Adam's place. The second Adam has come into us. We've been renewed, reborn. And we are now to be in Christ's stead here in this life. And the things that are happening are ordained of God. And there's instruction. So that's why the Bible talks about loving instruction, hearing instruction. And at some point, I must let that mind dwell in me that they're not opposed to one another. They're actually the same. 
but because we don't really allow the mind of God to work in us, we have this battle that goes on. And if we do not give the Word of God preeminence in the now situation, in my thinking on this particular point, I eventually go further and further, and God moving in my life actually looks like a bad thing, and the devil looks like a good thing. Because there's a traitor in our midst. There's one who wants to do his own thing. There's one who doesn't want it. He wants to live in his own life. So now as we, as we read in Isaiah 53, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ's prophetic set of verses. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and at a root out of dry ground he has no former comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now many times, again, we get these funny images. And again, they're not according to the Word of God. They're really according to fables and fairy tales human nature, satanic thinking that, oh, you know, if only I was around when Jesus was here on the earth, then I would really be able to. No, it would be the same thing. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, he says here, he looked like a root out of dry ground. Has anybody pulled out a cactus root out of the ground here? Does it look something like something wonderful? No. Looks like that's pretty ugly. I don't, you don't even give it a th- second thought. There was no form or comeliness. How many people have said this to man? This, this situation I'm in, this church I'm in, this marriage I'm in, this, that doesn't look like God to me. It looks pretty bad. It's supposed to look pretty bad because you're not supposed to understand it naturally. You're supposed to apprehend it by faith. And Jesus was created by, not created, but he was given a body and was born into this world. And what did he look like? He probably looked a little less than normally good like a root out of dry ground, there was no former comeliness. Basically, it's not a guy that, man, not like Saul, the king Saul, said when Saul walked by, you knew somebody was walking by. If you read the description of Saul, he stood head and shoulders above every other man. He looked good. He was, he was a king's king. You could have, I mean, you mean no one, wow, man, something about that guy. Look at that guy. He's tall. He's, but Jesus would have got lost in the crowd. There was no form or comeliness that goes, you know what, I want to hang around that guy. Boy, that's, man, that's a handsome guy. Boy, that guy is really, he's really something that I'm attracted to. Now again, God in and is revealing his gospel. He's revealing his kingdom. See, what are we looking for? See, the Bible says men are looking at the outward. They said Saul should be the king because he's like this and he's like that. And David was totally different. They couldn't anyone to show him. But many times we're looking at the outward. God is saying, not. as a matter of fact, I'm going to hide this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency wouldn't be of something you could pull off. It wouldn't be something you could do. He had no former comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. The natural man will not desire the Lord Jesus Christ. They're just like, that's him? That's, unless the Spirit of God touches you, unless my mind is changed to see as God sees, I'll, I will miss him. Because it's not going to be like, wow. See, again, it's sometimes when we hear the gospel, we think good news, we kind of think of a fairy tale. And many times we set ourselves up that, like I said, we've been good, we're practicing, and we're gonna, you know, all the suffering is going to go away. No. That's not going to happen. God actually wants to develop another mindset, the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. So if, number one, there is no former comeliness, that naturally I would desire him. I don't know if you ever had that problem with church. Has it gotten uglier? Yeah, well, there's something else God's cultivating in you. It's called His kingdom. He wants His kingdom here on this earth, not, not, a, not a together group of people. Now, when I say that, don't mistake that, that there's no instruction. See, there is a place for instruction that we need to apprehend as God without any reasoning or questioning. Adam, why do I have to tend the garden? I don't say I need to do that. Why can't I eat a tree? I don't see that. There's, this is what God is doing. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. Have you ever had that problem? Have you ever had some things in your life, maybe the church, maybe situations in your life, they were despised and rejected of men? Anybody here ever murmur and complain? 
against maybe some things in your life. Maybe the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is God doing this? How come I'm in this church? I don't see why. Yeah, well, that's the Lord. Did you hear the voice? Why does it have to? I don't know why it has to be that way. God is saying this is the way it is. Why couldn't He have made Jesus this shining, great example? And whoa, I'm taking. I want to tell you. And that's what the 5,000 wanted. They wanted more bread. They just wanted to follow Jesus. And man, this is great. Give us some more bread. He's not here to do that. He's here to establish God's purpose and kingdom and to enter us into the warfare that we can be good soldiers. And many times we're just not aware of the warfare. As we read last week, Timothy, as a good soldier, learn to endure hardness. Stop trying to get away from it. Stop growing weak under it. Stop letting it not change you. Start apprehending it and saying, this is why I'm here. Not sometimes, it may be all the time. We need to learn how to endure hardness as a good soldier. But if we don't see we're in warfare, many times we don't see we're soldiers. And so we're trying to live this other life and man, we step on the rake every time. He was despised and rejected of men. Maybe you're having that battle within yourself, despising some things. It might be the Lord. The Pharisees did it. Who could this guy be? Who does he think he is? Where does he get off telling me like that? Look who's following him. All the same things we might be saying. Well, if it was really God, why would he let these people in church? If it was really God, how come nothing's happening? If this was really God, why? Well, the question is never... See, the Bible never explains God. He always is. In the beginning, God is. And at the end, God is. Our response to the gospel is, yes, Lord. And to understand that we're, we're, we're all sin and we're sinners, my ways are not His ways. So, Lord, as I'm reading this, this is supposed to be your, the Word of God is what? It's God speaking to me about who He is. And saying, oh, that's not the way I think. Well, we have two choices then. Either I will, I don't believe that, I don't see that, or yeah, I believe it, but I, you know, I, just, I, I just can't really... Or I can say, Lord, that's the way I'm supposed to be. Now, in my flesh I may fall short, but thanks be to God... See, the Bible says in Romans 10, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart man believes unto righteousness. That's why it's so important when Proverbs talks about guard the words of your mouth. The things that you speak will actually ensnare you. There are certain things, I don't care how much you feel, how much you believe, how much you want to say them, I don't care if they're screaming in your head. You ought not to confess them because it gives them power. With the, the mouth, confession is made unto salvation and pretty soon, you know what happens? My heart actually comes along. Not the other way around. If your heart condemns you, don't worry about it. God is greater. He's established the gospel. Confess the truth. That's why there's certain things that we ought... That's why the Bible says, Jesus said you're going to be held in account for every um, vain word, empty word that you speak. That's why the Bible says, do not use the name of the Lord emptily or in vain. Be careful that we just... And you hear it on everywhere. Oh, this and oh that and oh Lord and oh I don't like to say that don't say that you're empty talking wait a minute I mean mean, there's times in my life I remember just you know man I want to divorce this woman I'd never say that once I would say that it would boom now I might have thought it be right there and you could probably feel it don't speak like that there's certain things that no matter... There's a, but I feel... That's the warfare! Endure it! I mean, we love, the, we love the old war movies. Here's a box of bullets. Be back in 30 days. Hold on till we come. I don't think I can see you. You know, that's a bad movie. That's the movies they make nowadays. I don't have to, you know. No! You know. Got down, he's bayoneting it all. We're here, we're here in a warfare. And just because that, there's a warfare, that's what he's telling Timothy, learn to endure. You're coming to know Him. There are certain things that you ought not to speak, and there are certain things you ought to speak. Confession is made unto salvation. And we're going to look as we get into warfare. Job. The book of Job. Wish that book wasn't in the Bible. Don't like that book. 
I mean, after the first few chapters, it's not bad because I don't understand what he's talking about. And the end's not bad, but the beginning really troubles me. But it gives us an insight into the warfare and gives us the insight into a man that apprehends something in God. This is a man who is walking uprightly before God. And the devil actually chooses him for walking uprightly. And that guy's only serving you because he's blessed. Now, God, you, now you understand what it does. It, it reveals something to us. It reveals that we have, the Bible actually tells us, you have an enemy. You have an adversary. His name is the devil. And he goes about like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. But the devil now comes to God, accuses Job, and says, let me, let me get a hold of that guy. So we see now the promise. Now, if you were just looking at Job, and some of his friends were, or maybe even Job was, if you were looking at Job just one day, bam, bam, wow, what is going on? He must have really done something bad. Or, wow, I don't understand what man, he's natural thing, just a uh, coincidence or something. No, God is saying, I want you to understand there's a warfare going on. And it reveals us that Satan had the, was given authority to do these things to Job, and Job understood there was warfare. And we understand, and I say, there's, there's certain things that ought not to be confessed, and that's part of the suffering. And there's certain things that even though my heart is not yet ready to totally grasp them, if I confess them, my heart, my life will come around. It's hard. It's suffering. We're going to get to why that's important. But when that warfare comes upon him, Job does something. His confession. Let me just turn to Job, because I want to get that. Let's turn to Job. Hopefully laying a foundation here. I want to get into the concept of warfare and of being a soldier and understanding that part of being a soldier is learning how to endure hardness. And not just endure it like, okay, boy, I can't wait till that's gone. Next time it's going to be another bummer until it's gone. No, that's not what it's talking about. Um, Job. Where is that? I mean, you know, and Job was in so much... I mean, he did what he had to do in the physical. His, he had sore boils, and I guess, I don't know, I mean, I've done, I, you know, I, anyway. He would he'd take a broken piece of pottery and just open those boils so they drain and get dried out. I mean, it must have been horrible. It was so, never, I had, used to get poison ivy, and people put all this lotion. I said, I hated that. I used to just boil some water, put my feet in it, rip them apart, and then pour salt on it. Now, that hurt, but it was done in a day. So I did what I had to do. Not recommending that. Actually, I am. Get over your stuff and just do what you need to do. But uh, so you see that he's here. He's 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 doing what he has to do in the physical. But something takes place here. And I want to read that. I didn't write that down. Maybe I did. Let me see if I got that. Yeah, Job one. Yes, Job one. Twenty. So we understand Job here. We, we're looking at the book. Satan comes against Job. These are not just n weird sufferings. They're not just weird happens. It's warfare. It's the devil coming against Job to ruin him, to make him think on the natural level. Because de this is what the devil says. You touch a man's stuff. You touch a man where he lives, and he'll curse you to your face. It's skin for skin. You push somebody, and they'll deny you. And that's the message of the gospel. Jesus was a lamb that was slain without saying a word. He emptied his entire life. And it's that mind also coming in you. That, man, I don't want to suffer. Who do they think they are? You are thinking like the devil. The devil is coming against you and allowing you, and God is allowing you to be tempted or to suffer. And are you going to love your life or say, Lord, I serve you? See, it's easy. Well, skin, the devil said, this is what the devil thinks. Skin for a skin. You touch, let me touch him and I'll curse you to your face. He'll do what he... That's the devil. See, there's no, there is no glory in suffering for evil. Peter says that. But it's when you're doing that which is right, Job, and you're suffering, and then you make the right reaction according to the warfare, it's of great reward. And this is what we need to see in our life. There's something that is God is trying to work in us through the instruction and through the dealing of this life, the Word of God in this life, so that we can enter into the warfare and, have, and begin to confess 
confess with our mouth, and we will be saved. We're going to start seeing some things that will keep us. They will not keep us from suffering. They will keep us through and in suffering to have God's purpose fulfilled in our life. And so Job here then, when all this is taken away, he makes this great confession. And you don't... You, and, and see, sometimes if we make the mistake, oh, well, that was Job. Well, that was Peter. Well, if we go on to read the rest of the Bible, we realize these were men and women just like you. Elijah. I think uh, James talks about Elijah. Is it James? John? James. And he says, we think, oh, man, that Elijah, man, he was a powerful guy. He says, don't, don't make a mistake. He had the like passions just as you were. Remember one day he got bummed out and thought, he just God, kill me. I just want to die here. I can't... It wasn't him that was doing it. It was God working his purpose in his life. There's no special people. Like, oh, wow, this guy doesn't have any problems. Jesus himself was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, the only one that has never sinned. But sometimes we make the mistake, well, I could never do that. Well, actually, you have a greater gospel. You have a greater news. You have a better covenant, the Hebrews says, than the old covenant. You have Christ living in you. But again, we need to take on that mind, which is also in Christ Jesus. So now, that's what I'm saying. Our confession is tremendously important. And that's part of the warfare. Do you think uh, the, the private always likes to say, yes, sir? Uh, yes, I, I want to be a Marine, sir. doesn't always like to say it. But as he begins to say that, maybe some... Better not say it like that too often. Put a sm- and pretty soon, he's what? He's changed. Yes, he was a Marine, but now we, we sang that song. The whole creation is groaning for the manifestation of the maturing of the sons of God. We're children, but we need to be the men and women of God that are manifesting. We, we want to be the Marines that can take, be trusted, hold the fort till I get there. Confession, tremendously important. Watch the words of your mouth. I don't care what you believe, what you think you believe, what you think is going on, because Job here is going through all kinds of stuff. His family has just been taken. Everything he's ever worked for has been taken. He's been serving God. He did without, even if he had sinned, he'd, he'd make sacrifice for his sins, his son's sins, his daughter's sins. He was an upright man, according to God. Could you imagine God giving you that report? Job, there's a righteous man. Wow. What are you going to do? I'm going to fulfill my purpose in his life. And Job says here, he gets, he's broken. And in verse 20, And Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head. Now that means he was going through some suffering. The grief of tearing your clothes and saying, Oh God, I'm in anguish here. I'm going to now go with sackcloth. I'm going to repent. I don't know what he had to repent of. Sackcloth and ashes. He's doing what he can do in the physical, but he understood that there was something more than the physical going on here. He understood that there was a plan and there was a warfare. And he now was engaged in that warfare and what he was going to do was going to change the course of history. And Job shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshipped. That's the last thing that comes into my mind when I go through sorrow and temptation. I mostly, natural man, thinks like this. And actually, his wife actually says, Joe Bunny, just curse God and get this thing over with. This is just stupid that you're even going through this. I don't know why you have to do this. Job says, don't talk like that. Don't talk like that. Paul had the same experience. The prophet came and said, the man that's been bound with this girdle whose girdle this is, will be taken to Jerusalem and be killed. Or not killed in prison, so forth and so on. And then he says, please don't go. And Paul says, please don't speak like that. I have enough problem in my own traitor. Let me hear some words. And Job, in the midst of this great warfare, his flesh crying out and saying, oh, the confession is. Now you look at his life, you would realize he was doing what he can do in the natural. He was repenting and doing what he had to do and sackcloth and ashes, everything was taken. He was a man grieved but his words were words of warfare. And he fell on his face and worshipped. Oh God, let us have that type of insight in our lives. Your kingdom. But I have to hate my life. I have to hate my life. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. There. And the Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. How many people are usually trying to straighten out the Lord? How come you're letting this happen? I don't see why this happened. If I was God, I wouldn't do this and that. And in all this, this is very important, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He did not let those things come out of his mouth. Now, if you heard that in your brain, well, I'm not Job. No, you're better than Job. We have some greater thing prepared for us. Lord, let me arm myself with that mind. Now, what is that mind? Let's turn back to Isaiah. We realize here that there's no form or comeliness that we should desire him. That's why it's impossible. That's why Jesus, the disciples said, well, who can get saved then? The disciples heard Jesus speak and they said, Lord, what are you talking about? Who is going to be able to get saved? And Jesus answered, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We understand that we have been taken out of this world and taken into the kingdom of his dear son, and now we are engaged in a great conflict, a great war. He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows. Now, this is talking about who? Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a man of sorrows. This is what depicted him. Isaiah is by the Holy Spirit prophesying. He says, here is how you're going to know the Lord Messiah when He comes. He's a man filled with sorrows. He would look out over Jerusalem and weep and break. He would look out over the world and see lost sinners. He would see nine lepers not turn to Him. He would see Judas. He was a man with full of sorrows. But it also says, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured those sorrows. We're here to carry with Him those things. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. That's an interesting word, acquainted. You have any acquaintances? When I say the word acquaintance, what do you usually think of? Yeah, it's kind of a pleasant term. We have a nice acquaintance. Yeah, I'm acquainted with him. No, I ain't a stinker. He was acquainted or had an intimate relationship. Something he wasn't running away from. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Well, what's that going to do? That would draw us near to him, wouldn't it? No. So as these things start, again, God is, is revealing to us our nature. Remember, another word for the word of God is what? The looking glass of our soul. It's revealing the nature to you. When you're, so we, we think, oh, well, I would be drawn to him. No. Usually when God's moving, what are we going to do? We're going to try to hide our faces from him. Why don't you just curse God and die, Job? Why is this even happening? I don't think we need to be doing this. And I don't see that. And I don't see... Oh, God, that's not the, that's not the confession that I see written in this book. That's not the confession of the men and the women of God. That's not the confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the, the confession of a good warrior. That's the confession of a natural man who's been pressed a little bit. He has not come to carry or walk with sorrows. He's not acquainted with grief. He, run, he doesn't like grief. He doesn't answer the door when grief rings the bell. He doesn't want to... I mean, I tolerate it, but man, I, oh, I'm glad. How many people are just glad when that's over? And wham, it comes again and it comes again because we're to be acquainted with it. We're to walk with it. And in all those things, what did Job do? He prepared himself what he had to do in the natural. And he bowed down and worshipped God. And his confession was one of truth, not one of feeling. Now, do you think he was feeling some things? You think the devil wasn't working on him and the traitor wasn't working on him? Job, you stupid idiot, you've been serving God for what? I think even his friends said that. And his wife said, what have you been serving God for? Why don't you just get rid of this? Look what's happened to you. Well, Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrows and grief. And we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. We're to carry those things. We're to be acquainted with those things. Because sorrow and suffering and even sin work things into our life that are needful to be done here in this earth. And what is my response? Lord, let me praise you. Let me thank you because I realize that's the weapons of our warfare. And many times we don't realize that we're really in warfare. And we just kind of go along life and we really think it's all about me. 
We actually think the gospel is here to like get rid of sorrow. You know, if I be good enough, then no th- you know, all my sorrows are going to be taken away. I'll eventually... You're not going to get any better. Your flesh cannot agree with the things of God. Paul actually says in Romans 7, it says, with the mind, I want to serve God. But with the flesh, I'm always having this problem go on. Let's turn there to Romans 7. God is so... Again, I don't know why these things are. We just know that they are, and God's giving us insight to them. Now, it is no more, in verse 17, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Why did God allow sin to remain in my mouth, my mortal flesh? I don't know. But so it seemed right in His his wisdom and counsel, and He's laying out here, that is a necessary thing for you to war. Look how arrogant we are with all our problems. Could you imagine? Could you imagine what would be going on if you were good? <laughs> if you were perfect? How arrogant could you be? I think uh, Oswald says we'd be so snotty. We'd be spiritual. No, God wants us to see. We need to be humbled. And most of us don't choose humility as a natural path. As a matter of, when, actually, in Japan, they actually did this. They, they, had, they had doors, and the doors were usually lower than your height. And the reason was so you'd actually have to bow to come in. You had to be forced to subjugate yourself. And most of us are like that. But in America, we make tall doors. And no one's going to make me bow. No one is going to make you bow. God's just making a suggestion. See, and we could let this mind be in us. We could actually grab hold of the hands of sorrow and suffering. Now again, I would only be preaching this in Christ's place. See, I wouldn't be preaching this as someone who's attained in the flesh. I wouldn't be preaching this as someone who says, Here, here's how you do it. I'm only preaching it because it's the gospel. And I have to let that... I'm confessing the truth. And I have to receive it by faith that it's working. So it's sin that works in me. And then in verse 21, this is always a good one. I find then a law. There's a law. There's a principle actually working. Maybe you've run up against it. I find a law that when I want to do good, evil is always present. Have you ever wanted to be good? Have you ever tried to really make it work? Have you tried to serve God this last? Have you, man, and not, well, it's good. When you do that, it's going to get worse. There's a law. There's a law, and so, thank God, yes, it seemed right. Can I? in the face of all that law, in me wanting to be good, I'm going to actually fall short and in, in Job doing all that he can do, evil is going to come upon him because there's a law and Job's response is, oh, I think this thing. that's a man under legalism. That's a man depending on himself. That's a man relying on himself, trusting on himself. That's a man who's a fool. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't trust yourself. When you've done all you can to do to stand, stand therefore. And it may all fall apart and God has a purpose and our response is a good soldier a man that's becoming acquainted with sorrow and suffering like Job the confession should be blessed be the name of the Lord what kind of a ridiculous statement is that his wife says are you nuts devil looks down because the devil was expecting the same reaction that he would give man I tell the devil would have gone aha see I told what there's no reason he should be saying that. I've taken everything away. His body is covered with boils. His, his entire life is shot. He has no future. Why? Because he's been trained and instructed. And he understood. Somehow in that book there's a revelation of the warfare and the spiritual principles and Satan coming. And then we see when Job falls down in worship, the devil goes, my, what is... He can't war against that. He can throw sickness. He can throw poverty. He can throw persecution. But what rises out of that? See, when they killed Jesus, he rose from the dead and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. It's that same death and suffering that now works in you that why so the resurrection of Christ may also rise in you. That you are people that are acquainted with sorrow. 
that are acquainted with grief, but have a joy. So we find a law present. So be prepared. The more you want to do good, there's going to be more against you. Oh yeah, well, that, would, that, would, that, that, has, that has and already now is working for those that are not in the mind of Christ. Not talking about these people in church, because sometimes we don't have the mind of Christ. Sometimes that teaches me a lesson. What lesson would it naturally teach you? Don't try. Don't try. You can't get ahead by trying. So become a welfare state. What's the, what's the word now? They, um, kind of a society where they're giving everything away. Entitlement society. You don't have to work. You, you're, 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 you, you need to get paid. No. That there's a mind that needs to be shown in our living here in Christ through the suffering, through working, through having a different outlook on life that is going to be preaching the gospel. Jesus, when we looked here, when we saw Jesus walk through life, He was exemplifying the Father. And they said, what is He doing? How come He's doing that? He was manifesting a different life. We don't want entitlement society. Not in the church. We don't want those things. Oh, well, I'd have to fight against that because entitlement society is what I lived for before. I went everywhere trying to find the best entitlements. That's why I went to Alaska, I thought. actually heard there was, there was, they were giving away food stamps. This is the great motivation. I went to Palmer, Alaska. I actually got a bunch of food stamps. One of, I couldn't believe it. I mean, you just walk in and said, I, I don't have any money. They gave me like $30. I thought, this is heaven. And I just, I mean, I mean, back, back in the day, it was like, I'd go into a store, give them, wow, oh yeah. It was like the grasshopper. Well, God had a plan. But we have, see, I have to war against that. See, I have to hold a knife to my throat if I'm tempted by the world's dainties. Maybe sometimes you're tempted by the world. Why do you have to so much? Why is there so many rules? Because that's the way God really intended it. The world is in the midst of the hands of the enemy and is going to hell. And what it's showing is exactly opposite of what God's showing. That's why Proverbs is saying, hear the instruction. Don't be enticed by this easy thing. Don't be enticed by this thing. Don't be enticed. Enticement makes it easy for your flesh. But we want to be people that sorrow, suffering. Okay, let's go. Um, and out of that's going to come a confession that changes the world, that changes you, actually. So we want to let, we want to do that which is right, and when, we, when that happens, we know that there's a law of evil coming against you. That's meant, it's just the way that it is. That's not meant for you to give up. It's meant to straighten, strengthen you as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. See, why is all this talk about sorrow and suffering? See, like I said, I find then, a, I, I, I kind of have these two things, never put them together. I find then a law that is within me when, to do, when I want to do good, evil is present. And I, I just, I've, re, I've really, I've never liked that. Really have a hard time with it. But then I, I glanced over here in Romans 8, 18. Boy, Romans 8, there's a, there's a good, good set of verses there. We're talking about the flesh and carnal mind, not subject to God. Have you gotten sick of your carnal mind? Or have you started to make treaties with it? The thing is, your carnal mind is always going to be against you. It's always going to be questioning God. It's always going to be blaming. It's always going to be accusing. It's not ever going to get any better. Don't be duped. The only good thing in you is Christ Jesus. And if it wasn't for Him, we'd all be going to hell. So, here we go. There's a law present. And then in verse 18, For I reckon... See, I'm making a decision. Well, then actually starts, let's start in verse 18. If, if, if children... I don't even want to be a child of God. Amen. We all want to be children of God. Amen. We all want to be heirs to the kingdom. Amen. Well, there's some promises with that. Remember, there's a trinity. We talked a little bit about the trinity. There's three in one. Well, most promises come in threes and ones. There's usually conditions, promises. Usually if you get this, you get this. You want to, if, you're, if you're children, then heirs and heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be, that you what? That was got one person doing it. Come on, let, let, let's confess it. If we what? Suffer. Suffer. There's that, I don't like speaking about suffering. Well, I'm not. 
He's talking the, the Word of God. If so we be that we suffer with Him, we be glorified together with Him. There's a suffering that we're going to have to embrace and not grouse about it, not think it's a bad thing. It's actually part of the kingdom. It's actually part of the kingdom. I'm, I want to become like Jesus, a man that's acquainted with suffering. And not acquainted like, ah, this stinks and I hate this and like, I try to do good and it's always okay against me and I try to do that. That's just the natural man. That's satanic thinking. The, the spiritual man. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let me grab hold of those hands of sorrow and suffering. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time, the what, not the suffering that may come, there is some suffering, like I said, there's a suffering that I need to arm myself with, that the Christian man and woman knows, knows that nobody else knows, the, the, the suffering of denying myself for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Gospel. A specific choice that says, I don't want to do this, but I do it. I don't want to say yes, sir, but I do it. I don't want to, but pretty soon, as I learn to endure the suffering, the joy that I'm actually saved for begins to take over my life. And Paul says, I'm laboring more abundantly than they all. As a matter of fact, I'm so much now into it, I don't want to go be with the Lord, even though that's better. I want to stay here and do more suffering for God. No, no, I think you're thinking I want to get the right. I don't... No, that's Satan talking. Pass another bullet. And if not the bayonet on, whatever it takes. But there are certain things that God is wanting to change in our life so that we reign to be steadfast. The Bible talks about that my friends and my father's friends' friends are my friends. He's thinking, see, sometimes we kind of like get tired of stuff. We think, I, I, Don was talking to me about something, and I, he said, well, somebody said this to me, that these things keep me here, or they keep me from doing this. I said, that's what they're supposed to do. There are certain things that keep me. Those aren't bad things. Those are godly qualities. Godly qualities as, as virtue. You know what keeps me from not doing certain things? Is they would be ashamed to do those things if they got out. There's certain virtues that I should keep. There's certain honesties that I should keep. There's certain ways that I should speak. There's certain friends that I should keep. There's certain things that I ought to do just because I ought to do them. Not that I'm tired of doing it. I don't see any fruit. I don't care if you see fruit or not. What fruit did Job see when he got done worshiping God? He got saw boils. But we understood that was not what was going on. There are certain things you ought to do because that's what God says you ought to do. I reckon that the suffering of this present time, there's going to become suffering. But how should you look at it? It's not worthy to be compared with the promise that I have. Hallelujah. Talked about that a little bit last week. What kind of stories we're going to talk about in heaven? Got John the Baptist missing his head. Got the Lord Jesus Christ, his hands like this. We got Paul. We got all these people that have been sawn asunder. Well, see, I, 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 I didn't go to church because they, they looked at me mean. What? Where did you find that? Well, that's not what this book teaches. I know in this age there is a great pressure to become a wimp. There's a great pressure for men to abdicate their responsibility. Great pressure to be a humanistic person that just, oh, well, you know, I understand. I understand and I need to hate it. Jesus understood his sin and he hates it. I'm not talking about me and me. I'm talking about being strong, having done all the stand, keep standing. I'm not, I understand suffering. I don't like it. There's coming a time that sorrow and suffering will be wiped away, but it's not here, it's not now. Stand and endure and do the right things. It's called instruction in the kingdom of God. The way the kingdom of God comes in your life is through instruction and doing what you're supposed to do. There's nothing wrong with doing something because you're supposed to do it. Hallelujah. Just some extra stuff there. So there's going to be suffering. And how should you look at suffering? First off, I deserve far more suffering than I could ever get. I was looking around today. And I, I was watching. I, I just, anyway, sometimes things just chuckle me. And I said, you know what? I am, I, I, I am, I, I got to be blessed out of my socks. I have children and I have grandchildren. I, I really have need of nothing. I have a wonderful wife takes care of me. I have a church. I have an air-conditioned building. I mean, my goodness. I mean, in my worst day, what am I lacking? 
Oh God, what suffering do you have? I should be getting anything I get. I deserve 10,000 times more. God, help me to see that. Because sometimes I don't see it. But we don't, we don't just thank him for the blessings. We thank him for who he is and for the great purpose that he's working in our lives. So, warfare. We're going to talk about warfare. That's, that's why the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians, the weapons of our warfare. Men and brethren, we are in warfare. We need to see that when things come against our mind, when feelings come against our mind, when confessions come in our mouth that ought not to be there, when things doubt and questions, and see that you are in warfare and you are being prepared as Job is being prepared and, and for the kingdom of God to be in your midst. So count it all joy and let the confession of our mouth become effectual. Let it be fervent. When things happen, we are in warfare and the weapons of war, they're not mighty. Man, I wish I could. All it is is, Job, what can you do? I can fall down and worship God. That's the most ridiculous thing I... I know it is. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Amen? Amen. 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 All right, Lord Jesus, be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.